0: Welcome to the Shabari Study Podcast. I'm your host, Wicked Ren. I'm convinced Ms. Rima is involved in everything under the sun. She's a member. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. You're a member of the Sisterhood of Black Femdoms in Atlanta, Georgia. You're an organizer for Rope Bite Atlanta. You're a rope track coordinator for Southeast Leatherfest. You're just saying you hold degrees in psychology, clinical mental health counseling, and business administration. You're currently a board-certified therapist, and you're working on your doctorate. I am.
1: <laughs> While traveling the country, trying to make sure that we're representative of PLCs,
0: also in rope. Yeah. Where did this <laughs> hunger for learning come from? wanted to understand
1: how people, like, why people do what they do, or, like,
0: how come
1: people from different backgrounds go through different, like come out differently. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause I have my own, like quite a bit of trauma. And then even just realizing that a lot of other POCs I know, no in general have a lot of trauma, but we're not working through it. We're not talking about it. Um, I've actually had some conversations and I may do a seminar about it, about how in the black family in particular, Mental health isn't a thing. And I'm not during as well. <laughs> Mental health? What? My parents yeah. did not know what psychology was. They said, you're majoring in what? You're going to get a, a PhD. What is a PhD? It was like, whoa. <laughs> you're not getting an MD failure. <laughs> and it was just like, no. PhD is definitely where I want to go. Because there's so much research that hasn't been done within my community. There's a lack of awareness within the community. Um and just seeing, because I've worked with kids, I, I used to be a child investigator for child abuse and the crimes against children, and I worked with older adults, I've worked with young adults, and being able to track it through the lifespan and just seeing how trauma comes up or just untreated mental health and how that impacts the person in the long run, it's like, damn, we got to do something. I'm not one to sit and say, this is a problem, this is a problem, and do nothing and still sit on my ass. I'm like, this is a problem. Hey, fam, what can we do to fix this?
0: You spoke about family earlier. I know that your dad's mm-hmm. traditional Nigerian and yes. when he came to your house, he saw your pole in your living room and your mom asked, <laughs> "Oh my goodness, why you don't have a dining table?" And you said, "Because I have a rope rig."
1: Yes, so <laughs> in my old apartment when you walk through the door, large pink pole in the middle. Yeah. And then you walk into the kitchen, and it was Thanksgiving I had cooked. And you walk into the kitchen, you have the kitchen to the right, and you had my rig to the left. And my mom's on me for years. You don't want a dining room table? I have such a nice one. I could build one for you. And I was just like, no, I'm going to put it. She was like, in your dining room? And I was like, Mom, you know what's in my dining room, and I'm not moving it. <laughs> yeah. So he comes in, and he's like, ah, ah this bamboo is nice, though. What is this? And he hangs on it. he said, ah because he's about my size, maybe a little bit bigger. He hangs uh, on it. And sweet. Oh, this is good. Oh. And, he's, and he's like, what, did, what do you use this for? And I started laughing. I looked at mom. And I said, I hang people on there. And he was like, ah, well, what does she mean by that? And my mom was like, Ucha, you need to mind your motherfucking business. We came to get some food and you're asking too many questions. And I was like, hello. Don't ask questions you don't want answers to. Because I'm going to tell you. <laughs> and he was confused. Don't ask them more questions.
0: Was there ever a time where you didn't feel like you could be your full self in front of your family?
1: Um, yeah. Coming out was, it wasn't a process. It was a process. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm close to my sisters. So I told them first and they was like, sure, whatever. Um. And even though mom was like the first one, she took me to my first few gay prides in middle school and high school. She didn't even know. She just was like, I have to go see my friends and you all are coming. It's going to be great. And we're like, what is this? Yeah. And it was like, this is great. This is so much fun. And we're like in Atlanta and Piedmont. It was amazing. Um, But still knowing our traditions with mom being Southern Dad and Nigerian is like, ooh, this is not really a thing. And we just got over this big thing of me changing my career to mental health. <laughs> so it was like, damn. So I decided to pick the year that it was Mother's Day and her birthday on the same day. And was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm going to come out. Not only that, you're going to meet my girlfriend in a few hours.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: So now on Mother's Day, I'm like, hey, mom, can I tell you something? She's like, oh, shit. (laughs) But I mean, there was some kickback in me just coming out. Um, Like some family members were really upset for whatever reason. Um, Unfortunately, there was like some aunts who was upset because I was always around their kids. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought that was the weirdest and most hurtful thing because it's like. Gay is not contagious. Yeah. Um, but what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Because yep. what does that have to do with anything? Um, but it's just like, okay, well, that's your discomfort because I'm going to keep on. I'm yeah. going to keep on because I'm happy. <laughs> then I started uh, getting into kinking delivering rope to my mom's house. And she was like, why the hell <laughs> you got a box full of rope? And she looked at the rope and looked at me and I just smiled. And she was like, ooh. My kids are into some interesting things. And I say, yep, just let me know you're
0: ready. (laughs) And this was in about like 2017, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) When you started your kink journey, you wrote, I am brand spanking new to kink life. I do not have a role because I'm not sure where I fall. However, what and who a dom represents deeply resonates with how I operate and wish to function in relationships. Oh, you went way back. Well, that's so (laughs) striking to me because... In kink, there's so much ego, and that statement has so much humility in it.
1: Yeah, that's what I've been told. Like, my submissive, we've been together since 2019. And he says all the time, you're so respectful, you're so considerate, you treat me like a person. Um, Even though we have this this master-slave-owner-property dynamic, I just always find that interesting. Maybe that's how I came up. Like I was trained by the elders of um, Black Film Doms Atlanta who's been in the community 20, 30 years. You know, they're in their 50s, 60s. So that's pretty much who I was raised by. So it's like at the end of the day, but also that mental health component, you're you're still a whole person. Yeah. Regardless of what role you take, you still have autonomy. I'm still not going to come off disrespectful unless that's in our negotiations, like unless that's something you want. Like, that's a big part, but also someone who has trauma, in addition to the training, is like, I don't want to be triggering. I don't want to perpetuate anything that looks like trauma or abuse. So I like to be very cognizant of that.
0: You've spoken about having trauma come up with different submissives and things. Yeah. What do you do when something's not going right in a scene or as planned?
1: Um, I check in throughout. My entire scene, Um, regardless of what I'm doing, I'm always asking, how are you feeling? Are you okay? Um, And getting my partners to realize it's not just a physical feeling. Like if we're doing rope, I'm not just talking about those wraps on your arms. Like where are you mentally? Are you still here present with me? Um, Because I did do an impact scene with someone and she had a history of physical abuse and domestic violence in a relationship. And one of the toys, one of the leather toys reminded her of a belt. So she was triggered from that. It took her back. And it was just like, where are you? And she was just like, I'm sitting in the corner. I'm trying to hide. And it was like, okay, let's stop and like just work on some grounding. Like you're here with me. You're here with your sister. You're in my living room open your eyes and just kind of re but we immediately in the scene even I think at self my partner had just got overstimulated with like the sounds and a whole lot of people because we don't do a lot of public play so it was just like let's stop and I try to encourage them like I need you to call red when well, you need to call red yeah. if you are feeling overwhelmed or it's too much it's okay to call red because I know you're amazing you're strong it's okay it's not a reflection of you actually you calling red are your limit's it strengthened itself. I oh, don't know. I care about my people.
0: <laughs> yeah. I just care about my people. That's all. It's so strongly ingrained in bottoms to be strong. and yeah, Push through. So how did that experience change maybe your intake process or maybe, you know, how you're starting relationships with submissives?
1: Ooh. I ask about traumas. I ask about mental health in our relationships. Romantic, kink, don't matter. I ask about trauma and then i describe like my definition of trauma because apparently people think it's like a big thing and i'm like no anything negative that happens to you that sticks with you for a long period of time that is trauma yeah if you can think about something that still comes up today and it happened when you were seven that's trauma yeah or it could have happened yesterday <laughs> there possibly could be trauma um so i asked about trauma i asked about triggers um because I am a sadist. I tend to play heavy, risky type shit. So it's like, if we do something, how would you feel in going into depth as to what that looks like? And I, I go through the line of some of the common things I like. If we do hair rope, if we do neck rope, I have one partner and she's like, absolutely not. We're not doing neck rope. You're not going to hang me. And I say, you know what? I feel that because that's how I feel about the color of my rope. So cool. And we even have conversations about that. I ask about mental health diagnoses or anything that they feel they struggle with emotionally or mentally, uh, I like to go pretty in depth and then I check in regular stressors, even before we start time. What's your stress looking like? Yeah. I just feel like it's more personal. Like it's past us top and bottom dumps of it's like, Hey, where people come together about to do this thing. Let's just make sure as individuals we're all right.
0: It's so fascinating to hear this through the lens of being a therapist and having all the background that you have. I read that when you got into BDSM, you had a partner that asked you to slap her and you did and you liked it. So you went to therapy and asked the therapist and the therapist was like, (laughs) that's BDSM. I feel like that's a missing link in kink in general.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I feel like people are not even replacing kink with therapy because there was no therapy in the first place, but they're using kink as therapy. And I think that's like strongly misguided. It can be used in conjunction with therapy or supplements, but also it's like, if you're not going to have these open conversations with your therapist as to what you're engaging, then it's kind of, what are we doing? But there's been false information out here about oh, I can help heal your trauma through rope and it's just like what's your licensure? What's your education? How are you How are you healing trauma? Just help me understand that. Like, <laughs> yeah How the hell are you doing that? Somebody explain because I need answers.
0: Can you talk about some things that people can maybe be aware of that they weren't aware of? Because I feel like a lot of the times people don't do these things on purpose. They're just doing them because mm. they think that they can help but in actuality they are not? I was a
1: mediator for quite a few of these instances. of The submissive of the Dom telling the submissive that they know what's best for them. They don't have a voice. They can't speak up. They can't tell what's actually going on with them and it's detrimental for the submissive or bottom. And my perspective is it should always be collaborative. What does the negotiation process look like? How do you actually know everyone's being satisfied and fulfilled if everyone involved doesn't have a voice? And if you're engaging in something that is detrimental to their mental health, you need to stop that shit. Just stop it. Okay, you may like it. Maybe you need to get another partner who's into that shit too. But with this person, you need to stop. Not force them or try to coerce them or persuade them to do it. Just, Just stop. Yeah it's okay, just stop. If you care about that person, stop. If you don't, then get out of kink because something's wrong there. Yeah. I feel like the foundation, the foundational basis of kink is communication and consent. And I think that's the part that gets lost.
0: I feel like it's even lost in teaching. A lot of teachers will criticize rather than encourage, you know, and it's feeding their ego rather than actually helping. Yes,
1: yes. I'm an ego in the rope community. It's like, y'all need to simmer down, okay? (laughs) Simmer down. I've had people in my classes, they was like, oh, you're the first person to actually ask your bottom questions and have them speak up. And I'm like, see, that's still the damn problem. My classes are bottom focused. How am I going to know what to do if I'm not asking my partner what's going on? Yeah. Or what they
0: need. What do you think is missing from rope education?
1: Bottoms like speaking up and i I don't know like what it is and it's not because my partner's like no i don't want to do a class by myself it's like okay okay yeah well let's sit down let's create a class because you're going to have a designated part i'm not talking the whole time so if we teach this concept what are some things you feel like will be helpful for both tops and bottoms to know bringing them in and making them part of the actual development of these classes and then having them speak. I'm not going to teach a whole class and my bottom is not talking or giving any type of feedback. Yeah. Cause how will other people know? They're just going to get into that thing and find out. I mean, we can prevent so much trauma and prevent injuries. if We become more bottom focused because it's happening to them. So in a way, what are we doing to protect them?
0: I really love how you said trauma before physical injury because I find Mm. that that's the easiest thing to get.
1: Right. And I've told people, they're like, oh, do you want another submissive? It's like, "Uh uh-uh. I don't want the additional responsibility. Yeah. Because I have to go to class and take care of my partners that I already have.
0: I was going to say, I know that you take it very seriously. You have your submissive serve your friends and your family and
1: (laughs) all those things. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, because I'm very family-oriented. I mean, even my poly is kitchen table. We actually have a family night. Kink partners, romantic partners, we all go out to eat once a month and just kick it and chill. Like, that's important to me. I mean, it's like community. Like, that's community to me.
0: And you've had to actively build that community, correct?
1: Yeah. And even when people ask, well, how can I get more POCs? It's like you have to do active outreach. You actually have to message people, call people, walk up to someone and just say, hey, I'm Rima. What's your name? How are you? That shit you was doing was cool. Or we're having this lunch. Would you like to come? We would love to see you. Like actually being in close up. But even specifically for my family, (laughs) I do interviews. I do questionnaires. I background check. I like it. I'm asking people about you. I'm checking in. I need references that I actually can contact. I can get in contact, like a job. Mm-mm. Yeah. Your references did not respond within 48 hours. We're not gonna be able to move forward.
0: Yeah. If your friends <laughs> don't know about these people, then there's probably a reason, or they're very, very new. And if they're not being honest about being very new, then that's a mm-hmm. red flag.
1: Just we have no problem with new people. It's like okay, well, let's get on some education. We're head- and I tell them all the time, I'm like, listen, education. That's how we service our community, because coming out of COVID, a whole lot of shit is popping off. Yeah. Whole like <laughs> consent violations. Um, just people out here doing unsafe things because they had a lack of education for like two years. So it's like y'all. Yeah. Let's go out here. That's our service.
0: You said something that was really amazing to me. And you said that you added Miss to your name to add presence to yourself and that it's really hard yeah. for you in the beginning to be served because you're so independent. Ooh!
1: <laughs> Where did you find that? Yes, I was struggling. Oh my gosh. Um. Yeah, so I'm the oldest of six. Again... Traditional Nigerian and Southern. So I'm in a position where I'm always taking care of everyone else. Even as a therapist, the focus is the client, I take care of other people. So for like the first two years, I was struggling actually being served because I would just do things myself. <laughs> and they were like, ma'am, that's what I'm here for. And it's like, to do what? <laughs> like, I'm fine. Yeah. And it was like, I had to redefine, reconceptualize what I feel like service is. And it was like anything to make your life easier. And that's my definition. It was like, oh, well, I need you to go to the store for me. I love that. Oh, okay. This is great. I need you to wash the dishes. And then it was like anything. And it just became more comfortable and actually helps take stress off me. Even my submissive, he was like, I want to help decrease your stress. What can I do to help with that? And it was just like, oh, well, there's quite a few things you can do now that I think about this. It. it was like redefining those things. We put it into terms of stress and helpfulness opposed to something that is removing my independence yeah. or challenging my ability to be self-sufficient. That's not what's happening. I know and everybody named Mama know I could do this shit. Yeah but it would be easier if I had help. And that's kind of just in general. Like if I had additional help or support, I feel like with most people, things would be easier.
0: And the only reason that happened is because you're open to communication with your bottom.
1: Yeah. Because I ain't want to it. He was
0: like, why won't you let me help you? And I'm like, what?
1: Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, help me do what? <laughs> you're like, I got it. I'm good to go, babe. I don't need this. <laughs> yeah. Well, Miss Rima, mm. you're amazing. I love talking oh, to you. you. I've learned so much. You're currently working on your doctorate, correct? I am. Yes. 2020.
1: Oh, I just did like the preliminary stuff of kind of getting an intro to what I want to do. And I was so happy that it was well accepted. Oh, my gosh. I remember sitting there in by interview, and I'm just like, I'm only studying queer people. I'm yeah. not flexible on that. That's a non-negotiable. And they were sitting there looking at me like someone's mouth dropped. And someone was like, well, how would you have access to that population? I said, I am queer. So <laughs> everyone I know. Yeah. That is not the hard part for me. I say, honestly, the hard part is finding those who is not into kink
0: and identify
1: as heterosexual. That's the difficult part. (laughs) That's what I'm going to need y'all to help me with.
0: Well, I'm sure there's no research like that out in the world. And which is why I want to
1: do it, because there's so much misinformation. But like actual empirical-based research, nah.
0: Mm -hmm. Where do people find you? Um,
1: Instagram is the one I checked most frequently uh, Leo Rima Uh, I check that Life periodically Miss Rima and then my email is Leo Rima at gmail and I take I check that all the time
0: well I want to thank you again for being on and, and talking here thank you for having me oh my god you're so welcome I appreciate it